Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. We have, for the last four weeks or so, been looking at suburban spirituality, um, finding God and seeing God and hearing God's voice in the midst of everyday life. And uh, this morning, what I wanted to do was kind of address what I think might be the single greatest obstacle, uh, the single greatest uh, impediment to spiritual growth and vitality, and uh, particularly for those of us who live in the suburbs. And uh, so what I thought the best way I've ever seen this illustrated, and never being one too proud to borrow a great idea, I thought this morning I want to illustrate this whole concept uh, in a way that you will never forget. And for this, I'm going to need a volunteer. So any volunteers? Dave, you're in the front row. You just volunteer. It's not going to be hard. Come on up. Everybody know what this is? What is this called? It's, It's an easy chair. Okay, it's an easy chair. It represents comfort. And so, Dave, your job this morning is to epitomize comfort for us. So have a seat. Would you like a pair of slippers? Would you? Sure. Okay, there you go. These have hardly been worn. And uh, there's a little remote here. And we don't want you to work too hard, so actually, this one reclines itself. If you just push this button here. Is that nice? Okay, and then if you want the, the leg rest, then you push this button here. Huh? This is the Cadillac of easy chairs, okay? So just, you know, and it's, it's got a little massage button there too. So, you know, if you want the back massage, it'll do the legs, the whole thing. And uh, we'll give you a, a lap blanket because we really want you to be comfortable. And, um, you know, it's just not, what's, what, what's missing here? What, what do you need to, to really be comfortable? We need a TV remote. Yeah, well, we don't have that. But we do have comfort food. Chocolate chip cookie dough okay? Sure. Will that work for you? So here you go. All right, just indulge. Now, are you comfortable? Are you, are you really comfortable? I mean, is there anything else we could do for you? Uh, my wife? Yeah, no, we're not going to go there. Okay, so that, does that pretty much epitomize comfort? Does he look like he's comfortable? Doing a good job? Give him a hand, would you? All right. Now, with that picture in mind, I want to read this morning's scripture from Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, do you think Dave is ready to fulfill that passage of Scripture? (laughs) Anybody? Is there anybody that thinks he will be able to sit in this chair for the whole sermon and not fall asleep? (laughs) No? 
Sorry, Dave. That's the last, well, you get, you get to keep the ice cream. How's that? All right, so I'm going to ask you if you're going to have to get back up. You can keep the ice cream. Oh, I know. Wait a minute. Let's, uh, slip. we'll do this easy for you, okay? And the backrest comes up. Wait a minute. Is the backrest coming up? No. Well, you've got to get out of the chair anyway. Sorry. <laughs> Give me a hand, would you? Thank you. You did a great job of relaxing. What I want to talk about this morning is getting outside the comfort zone. Because I think that is the single greatest obstacle for those of us who live in the suburbs. Who those of us who live that comfortable, easy life. Yeah, it's got inconveniences. Yeah, sometimes it gets hard. But for the most part, we make the object of our life comfort and ease. And the Bible is quite clear. Our life was designed for something more than life in the easy chair. God has called us to a race, to a challenge, to an adventure. And true fulfillment in our life will not come from sitting in the easy chair. And I want to talk a little bit about how to get outside your comfort zone. How to get out of the easy chair and into the race. And the writer to the Hebrews makes it very, very clear. He says, embrace the life that God has called you to. Take on the things that He has given you to do and do it with passion and with energy and with enthusiasm, with endurance. Keep running the race. And he says, the first thing you got to do is you got to get rid of all the things that hold you back. Get rid of any hindrance. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He says, yes, there is sin and that, that's like, it's like ropes around our feet. You know, it tangles us up sometimes. But he says, it's not always bad things that get in our way. Sometimes it's good things. It's comfort. It's ease. That's the stuff that gets in our way. In fact, the word hindrance there, it literally, it, it, it means bulk or, or mass or heavy weight. And it comes from a root word that has to do with the bend in the arms. It's what we hold on to. And it's also the things that tend to hold on to us. And we get enveloped in the easy chair. And the easy chair represents anything that holds you back from living the life that God has called you to. Anything that keeps you out of the race. Because the problem with the easy chair is not what you do when you're in the chair. It's what you don't do because of the chair. God has called us to a race. In fact, the lie of the chair is comfort equals happiness. But we know that's not the case. In fact, we, can, we are continually told by health experts that the obesity rate in the, in the nation just continues to rise. And it has to do primarily with our sedentary lifestyle. It's the way that we eat and the way that we don't do anything else. <laughs> and he says it has, health experts tell us that has an effect on us physically. There are all kinds of problems that arise from this obesity, from this sedentary lifestyle. Type 2 diabetes, strokes, coronary disease, hypertension. And it is no less true of your spiritual life as well. That life in the easy chair leaves you with dull, lifeless, passionless existence. 
Because you weren't meant for the easy chair. You were meant for something more. And true joy and true enthusiasm and true life comes from challenge and moving forward and endurance and effort and accomplishment and fulfillment. Those are the things that truly satisfy in life. And the ancients had a word for this. They called it vocation. Your calling. Now we use vocation in terms of, well, it's my job. They said, no, it's about living life with a sense of mission and purpose. It's seeing the reality of eternity in the middle of what you are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. It is a deeper, richer life. It's fulfilling the very thing that God designed you to do. And the Journey series of classes that we're offering is just kind of an introduction to that idea. Because we want people to discover what it is God designed you for. And the community that has put you in. And what life looks like from that and living with that sense of mission and purpose. And the writer to the Hebrews talks about it. He says, we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith. In fact, this whole passage comes on the heels of a whole chapter that he has talked about numbers of people who followed their passion, who followed the life that God had for them and the incredible things that they did. And they were all ordinary people. Just everyday ordinary people. But they did incredible things. Why? Because they learned to hear the call of God on their lives. And they responded with a yes. See, the problem with the easy chair is, it makes it easy to say no. And the more you say no to the call of God on your life, the harder it is to hear His voice. And we begin to live for the easy chair. He says, we are surrounded by people who testify to this life of faith. They are witnesses to it. Not to our race. They are witnesses to God's faithfulness in their race. They discovered that when they took those steps of faith, God was with them. They took chances and they took risks and they got out of their comfort zone and they did something that was beyond their own abilities and they found that God was there sustaining, providing, carrying, hoping, helping, strengthening all along the way. That's the life that you were meant to live. And life in the easy chair dulls our listening to God's call and God's voice on our life. And that's why the writer to the Hebrews says, be careful then, do not refuse to listen when God speaks. Because the more you say no, and the more you get enveloped in the life of comfort and ease, the easier it is to just ignore Him. And not only do you ignore the voice of God, you ignore the needs of those around you. See, we live in a life that's pretty comfortable. And we forget there are people in this world who don't live a comfortable life. There are parts of this world where people go to bed hungry. There are parts of our nation. There are parts of our Bay Area. There are parts of our community where people do not live in comfort. And our comfort deadens us to their needs, to their hurts, to their struggles. He says we've got to remove all the hindrances, get rid of the stuff that gets in the way, and then take intentional steps of action. He says let us keep on running the race that is marked out for us. And the picture that he's using here is is actually the picture of a relay race. 
He says, all of these people have come before us and they have run their leg of the race and they have passed the baton on to someone else. And those people took up the baton and they ran their leg of the race and they ran it with gusto and they ran it with passion and they ran it with perseverance and endurance and then they passed on the baton to someone else. And the baton, baton has been passed on from generation to generation to generation and now he says it's been passed on to us. So take up the baton and run the race marked out for you. That's going to look different for every one of us. But for every one of us, that life of faith is going to require some kind of action. Getting out of the chair and running the race. All of chapter 11 are examples of people who got out of their comfort zone. Noah had faith, so he built an ark. Abraham had faith, so he obeyed God. God called him to go to a place he would later receive as his own, so he went. They got out of the easy chair. And they took deliberate steps of direction and moved forward. The point is, get moving. Get moving. Start opening up your eyes and your ears to hear God's voice and to see the things that He's put in front of you. And just start moving. It is much easier to steer a car when it's moving. It's a lot tougher to turn that wheel when it's parked. So he says, just get moving. And it might be starting in small ways. But what I think we need to practice, particularly for those of us who are used to this comfortable lifestyle, we need to practice deliberate inconvenience. Deliberate inconvenience might mean choosing not to go to Starbucks every morning. (laughs) And using the money that you would have spent there to support an orphan child in another part of the world. Or to choose to walk instead of drive and use the money in a different way. Or to volunteer your time and help in areas where people are in need. It's getting out of the easy chair. Now this morning, I want to uh, let you know of just one that we are just beginning here at Northgate. Um, we have uh, a new ministry that started about six months ago. My son, actually, Eric, has started up. It's called Esocaris. And the word means within grace. And it's the whole idea of living and living out our faith and our grace to the people around us. And they have been working very hard in developing, um, a, in partnership with a Christian Help Center in Vallejo, a new opportunity for those of us here that are part. They're inviting us to join with them. So, Eric, would you come and kind of share a little bit about the genesis of this and what's going on? Welcome them, would you please? Thank you. Can you hear me? Okay. Weird to have this lapel. I'm not used to it. Um, uh, about a about a year ago now, uh, my now current wife and I moved up here from San Diego. And in San Diego, I went to college and 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 began to to study. And one of my professors had always asked me to come and join him at his church. And then after much pers- or much of his persuasion, I finally decided to come. And, and I found a mutual friend um, who went to that church. And so I joined with him, and we drove out. And the church is called um, the Church of the Nazarene in Mid-City. And, um, and upon driving to, to the church, I realized why it was called Mid-City. Because <laughs> on our way, um, the, 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 the surroundings of, of, of the streets and everything began to get darker and scarier and, and, and more and more um, just unappealing to the eye. And, I, and in fact, as we were driving, I, I kind of thought that my friend was playing a joke on me because it was getting so scary. Um, but we arrived at the church and, and we began, um, and I began to, to go there uh, on a regular basis. 
And, and in fact, upon arriving, I realized that, that what the congregation was that surrounded me. Because you had these, these college kids from, from a, uh, from a uh, private college, and they were joining together with, with the very poor of the poor, the desolate. And, and, and in fact, it was, it was so, um, it was, they, were, they were so poor that they, they felt the need to sit in the back of the church because of their stench. And, and, and though we gathered together with them and we gave them hope and a place to worship, they still felt like they were unworthy to sit by us. And it was something that really hit us hard. And so we began to, um, to, to feed and, and to, to reach out to those in the community of, of San Diego. And they began coming more and more to our church. And in fact, my, my pastor began to open up the prayer to the congregation. And, and one of the homeless men named Steve began to pray. And, and through his mumbling and, 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 and what little he had to say, he kept praying that, that God would remove the rocks from the, from the highway. And he kept going on about asking God to remove the rocks from the highway, and no one understood why he wanted this. And later we found out that his good friend Jim had been hit by a rock that a car had thrown at him, and he had been killed by it. And, and though Steve was praying an insignificant prayer of removing all the rocks from the highway, it was still a prayer of hope. It was a prayer that he was tired of being taken advantage of people. And so now our call is from Esso Karis and what we want to do in the ministry of Bread of Life. And there's actually a pamphlet in your, in your, in your bulletins. It looks like fish on the front or mushrooms, I've been told also. Um, <laughs> it's actually bread. <laughs> it's flatbread. And um, we're going to start working with the homeless in Vallejo and begin to feed them. And not because that we have money and they don't have money and we want to lord it over them, but rather the justice that Jesus brings to us requires us to feed them and give them hope. Um, so I want to end in, in sharing with a passage that um, my pastor actually wrote to the newspaper in San Diego. And he was, he's writing about a fire that happened in San Diego that actually burned about uh, a quarter of the, pot of, the, of the county. It was a huge fire. Um, so anyways, he writes, A little over a year ago, some San Diego residents lost everything they owned in a cedar fire. In response, families invited others into their homes. Food services for the hungry appeared, and emergency shelters sprung up quickly for the displaced. Policymakers established long-term programs for the sustainable life of those who suffered the calamity of their sudden poverty. Last Sunday, Dave gathered to worship as part of our congregation. Dave had lost everything he owned the previous week as well. He watched from afar as police in La Jolla took his sleeping bag and backpack that he had carefully hidden in the bushes threw them into the back of their squad car and pulled away. Despite Dave's best attempts to remain inconspicuous, someone had seen when he was sleeping that night. And Dave became visible, thus committing a crime in San Diego, being visible while poor. For Christians, the poor are not a problem to be solved, nor criminals waiting to be removed from view. They are blessed, for theirs is the kingdom of God that we believe God has begun in Jesus. So if you want to join with us, the college group is going to be beginning in November serving the poor. And if you want to come, um, please feel, feel more than welcome to come. And you are all invited to join with us. In the pamphlet is my email address. And if you have any more questions, please email me. And we'll probably begin this in November. Thank you so much. That's my son. <laughs> A year ago, we did a church-wide emphasis on community and getting involved. And we encouraged everybody to get involved in a small group and to take a step outside your comfort zone. And we asked every one of our small groups to take on 
ministry. Find a need in the community and start serving and do something together and, and find a need and, and, and just do it. You know, whatever it is, whatever you can do, just get involved and tangibly express the love of Christ to the people around you in your community. And so many of our small groups said, we can't find anything to do. Which speaks a lot to our life of comfort. But we kept pushing them and they kept looking and finally they did. And people, we shared at the end of that, people said, my life was changed because of it. I, got, I, I saw needs that I'd never seen before and I got plugged in. And one of the things that we tried to do is that we said to all of our small groups, now what we want you to do is keep doing this as a regular part of your small group ministry. And all of a sudden said, but we did it for 40 days. <laughs> I want to go back to our Bible study. That's comfortable. We have a good study group. We have such good studies and we talk about deep things of Scripture. We like our study group. We don't want to have to do all this other extra stuff. You've missed the point. The whole point of Scripture is to move you to action. It's not to feed your brains with information. And God didn't design you to sit in a Bible study group that's comfortable. He designed you to serve Him and to be a part of His big work in this world. Because your leg of the race is part of an ongoing, unfolding, grand race that God has been putting on since the creation of this world. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given gifts to each of you. So manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Take intentional, deliberate steps of discomfort. If nothing else, just to remind yourself that there are other people in this world who live far less comfortably than you do. And maybe it'll move you to action. Take deliberate steps to action. And then, keep your focus. Keep your focus on Christ. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He's our example. He's the one that goes before us. You know, when you lose your focus, it's easy to get distracted. When you lose your focus, it's easy to just kind of go about life and do things and, and forget why you're doing them. Uh, I got this from someone actually this week, um, recently diagnosed with AAADD. You've heard of AADD? ADD? Okay, well, this is age-activated attention deficit disorder. So see if you can recognize any of these symptoms. I decided to work on the car. So I started toward the garage and noticed that the mail was on the table. I laid my car keys down on the desk as I sorted through the mail. As I discarded all of the junk mail, I noticed that the trash can is full. Okay, I'll just put the bills on the desk, but first I'll take the trash out. But since I'm going to be near the mailbox, maybe I'll just address some of the bills first. Yeah, now, where is it that I left my checkbook? Oh, here it is. Oh, there's only one check left. What's where do I keep those box of extra checks in? Oh, there's my empty cup from last night on top of my desk. I'm going to go look for those checks, but first I need to bring this cup back to the kitchen. So I head for the kitchen, look out the window, and notice that the flowers need some watering. I put the cup in the sink. There's that extra pair of glasses on the kitchen counter. What are they doing there? I'll just put them away. But first, I really do need to water those plants. So I head out the door and, oh, someone's left the TV remote in the wrong spot. Okay, I'll put the remote away and water the plants, but first, I really do need to find those checks. End of the day. The bills still are unpaid, the cup still sits in the sink, 
The checkbook still has one check on top of it all. I've lost my car keys. <laughs> and when I try to figure out how come nothing got done today, I'm baffled because I know I was busy. <laughs> it's easily, easy to get distracted and keep real busy with stuff and accomplish nothing. He says we've got to keep our focus. Keep our focus on Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The message paraphrase puts it this way. Who both began and finished the race that we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. If you read the stories from Hebrews chapter 11, consistently men and women of faith were called to action. And typically the first response of anyone who was called was, Who, me? <laughs> Who me? I, I, I'm a nobody. I'm insignificant. I've got nothing to offer. I've got nothing I can do. You know, why, why are you calling call somebody else? Moses, Moses, five times, he argued with God five times. He said, do something, somebody else, please, you know. He kept arguing with God and God didn't give up on him. Everyone who's called from God has always felt insignificant and incapable for the task. That's why he says, Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Because the same promise that came to every one of those, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Is the very same promise that Jesus gave to us. Don't be afraid, I am with you. Keep your focus on me. He says, study how he did it. He never lost sight of where he was headed. Jesus' own words said, I do not try to please myself, I try only to please the one who sent me. He's already led the way. He's already given us the example. And He's promised His presence and His strength and His provision along the way. So keep your eyes focused on Him. And lastly, whatever you do, don't give up. Don't give up. Think about all He endured when sinful people did such terrible things to Him so that you don't become weary and give up. You see, life in suburbia, folks, we pretty much live for instant gratification. There are not many things we deny ourselves. There are not many things we deny our children. Heard not too long ago of a middle schooler who for their birthday, her parents rented a limousine, took her friends for a shopping spree in downtown San Francisco at Nordstrom. <laughs> And I wish I could say that is atypical, but it is not. There's not many things we deny ourselves. And there are not many things that we are willing to wait for. I mean, we, we, we buy now, pay later is our motto. We get annoyed and inconvenienced when we have to stand behind more than five people in line at the store. We need to develop the sense of endurance. Because we live as if life was a 50-yard dash. And it's not. The Bible is clear. It's a marathon. And fulfilling your calling is fitting in to what God has been doing for centuries. He says, run your leg of the race with endurance. So what is your challenge that you're facing maybe this morning? It might be a relational challenge. It might be that you are living with very, very surface relationships because you don't, you're afraid to let anyone know who you really are. And because of that, you are missing out on deep personal relationships. 
And you might need to take a risk outside your comfort zone to do that. It might mean getting involved in acts of mercy and works of mercy like bread of life with Esocaris. Maybe that's where you need to get inconvenienced a little bit. It might be getting involved in an area of ministry, service, and using your gifts and your talents and your resources to serve the body of Christ, to serve His community. It might be that God is calling you to make financial decisions. And He's calling you to give with generosity. It might be giving of your time. It might be a mission trip. Or sharing your faith with a co-worker. Or even something as simple as handing out an invitation. So everybody's comfort zone is different. The challenge that's before you is, are you hearing God's call? Are you responding with a yes? And are you willing to get out of the comfort zone and fulfill the life that God has for you? 1 Corinthians 15 says, Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hebrews 12, 12. So, take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you will not stumble and fall, but will become strong. Would you bow your heads with me? The call of God on your life is a great call. And it is not simply to pursue a life of comfort and ease and avoid difficulty and inconvenience. You were called to an adventure with God. And He has equipped you and given you gifts and talents and abilities and resources. And you will never feel fully alive until you get in the race. And there are far too many people sitting in the easy chair watching everyone else. I just want to encourage you this morning. It's not my job this morning to to berate you or, or, or to come down on you. I just want to encourage you. Get in the race. Get in the race. You've got something to offer. And whatever it is that's keeping you back, whatever comfort, whatever fears, whatever doubts, just start moving. Take on something. Volunteer somewhere. Give generously. Get in the race. I believe as a church we have some tremendous opportunities ahead of us. But with those opportunities come challenges. And we're not going to fulfill God's call on this church with half-hearted commitments or easy chair living. He's called us to something more. And the great joy and fulfillment in your life will happen when you get in the race. So this morning, as we close in prayer, if you could just identify one area of comfort and ease that you are living for that's keeping you out of the race, and just simply say, Lord, I'm willing to give that up. Because I want to get in on what you're doing. Some of you have already made that decision. and You've been serving wholeheartedly for a long time. And maybe this morning 
you're at a point of giving up. <laughs> you're tired. You're wondering how much longer you can go. He says, don't give up. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He'll carry you through. Pray with me. Lord, you've called us to grand things, great things, things that we feel ill-equipped and unqualified for. But that was never part of the requirement. The requirement is simply that we would hear your voice and say yes. So right now we admit our fears and our weaknesses, our apprehensions, and we give them to you. We say, Lord, however you could use me, whatever talents, whatever gifts I have that you could make use of for your grand, grand scheme, I want to get in the race. Teach me, show me, strengthen me, empower me. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.